Welcome to We Can Be Wrong, but who cares? I'm Anderson. This is Christopher Harris. This is Kevin. I'm John. And Mike. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to another show of We Could Be Wrong. Thank you, viewers on Instagram and on YouTube. Please continue to come and watch us. Uh, and don't forget to email us at mysocketproductions at gmail.com. That's mysocketproductions at gmail.com. Quick word from uh, for our new show, Just the Facts, hosted by Sean Frost. Just the Facts will is the after show for this show. And that will have its own email as well as its own pictures. And look forward to the first episode this coming week. Thank you very much. <sighs> Welcome, team. Welcome, guys. As you guys know from last week, uh, we wanted both of our topics were about Russia, Ukraine. And our other topic was about Trudeau, Canada, and the events that are happening there. We will start with Russia and the Ukraine. I would like to open this up because two of our conservative side could not make it this week. We do have John, and I don't want an, another thing of last week where it seemed like everyone was pushing John into a corner. But I would like to open it up with John because I know that John has intellectual, great, strong thoughts. John, the floor is yours. Thank you. What aspect would you want to start with? Oh, well, just the fact of what's happening in Russia and Ukraine and your feelings about it, where you stand about it, <clears throat> and what, how you interpret the actions that's happening and what's America, what should be America's involvement in it. That's a lot of words. Sorry for making it so long. So right off the bat, let me just say that um, the people of Ukraine have a lot of heart there is a obviously a massive amount against them, but I was watching videos of uh, the men basically sending their families out to Hungary or Poland or things like that, and then basically getting in line to go get guns that they may or may not have ever used before in order to fight back and try to uh, keep their country out of Russian hands. And I will tell you, they for for what they have and the armament that they have, they are doing a phenomenal job. Um, Russia, had Russia really done whatever it thought it was going to do, they would have had the entire country under by now. And those guys are still holding on. They're still fighting that guerrilla warfare. The president, the parliament stayed behind. They didn't get out and leave like we've seen in other countries. They're still there fighting. So just... I mean, whatever encouragement that we can give to those folks and, and salute the bravery that they're showing, I think that should be the very first thing that we, that we talk about and say. Here, here. Man, I mean, those, those videos are heartbreaking. But, man, that's, that's a lot of bravery. As far as what America's involvement should be now, or are you wanting to go back and see what America's involvement was beforehand? Uh, you know what? What should America's involvement be now? And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because I've been getting a lot of mixed signals. Um, you know, not that you speak for or you condone anything <clears throat> Tucker Carlson says or even the senator from, you know, um, sorry, Wisconsin. 
and some of the things I've been hearing from sp some of the right that I felt has been real mixed signals. I'm not saying you represent them or you speak for them, but I would like to hear your your perspective of what America's involvement should be now. Sure. I can give you five steps that I think that we should absolutely do right this very second. So the very first thing, number one, is do everything we can to ban all Russian petroleum and national natural gas sales in America and then work with the other countries in order to do the same thing. Uh, the majority, and I, I want to say it's 60%, although I'm not 100% sure about that, but the majority of Russia's economy is based on its energy sales of petroleum and natural gas. That's correct. If you take that out, that eliminates the, the amount of money that they can spend on the war, that eliminates what they can pay their soldiers, how they can buy armament, how they can reduce all those type of things. If you can take the purse away, you can do amazing damage to it. Number two, you should remove all the Russian diplomats from the United States. You should kick every single one of them out. You should kick the ambassador out. And you should also seize every one of their holdings. Those are foreign citizens. They're not U.S. citizens. They're not available for the same protections that we should have. So things like their property, like their apartments, their homes, their stocks, their bonds, all of their holdings in the United States should immediately be seized and put on hold. Uh, number three, we should be working to remove SWIFT, I'm sorry, remove Russia completely from SWIFT, not just taking little pieces here and there, which is what we've been doing. We're putting sanctions on, oh, we're going to put a sanction on this bank, or we're going to do this, or they're going to do that. Remove them from SWIFT, which would, take an, which would take a massive amount of effort, because we're not the only ones that has a say in that. That's something that has to come from a lot of countries. And Russia owes several countries a lot of money. And by taking them out of SWIFT, you're basically saying, okay, we're not going to get paid whatever they owe us. And that's a big, 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 big step. That would take a massive amount of deal-making to do. But it would, again, cut the money out from them. They can't pay their soldiers. They can't buy bullets. They can't, obviously, they can't do a lot in the war. Number four, get a no-fly zone over Ukraine. If you can set up a UN-authorized no-fly zone over there, that's the biggest strategical advantage that Russia has over Ukraine. Ukraine doesn't have a, a massive air force. They don't have pilots like the United States and Russia and China. They don't have this big thing where they can defend that. So these bombers that are coming in from Russia that are targeting these places and, and uh, just taking out massive amounts of the Ukraine, and especially based on what the president of Ukraine was saying, where they're bombing a lot of civs, that's a big issue. You take that out, you give the Ukraines a massive step up in a, in a war because now it has to be ground to ground. Now they have to go in there soldier by soldier and take it house by house. They can't just run in there and bomb the hell out of everything and try to demoralize everybody. And the last thing is we got to work on these countries that are helping Russia get around sanctions. So for example, like India, India, we, we pissed off India. I, I completely understand that. And we don't have to go into all the things about that. We pissed off India, and India is helping Russia getting around the sanctions. So is China, although I think China is a lost cause. We're not going to be able to do really a lot with them. But some of these other countries that are funneling money, that are helping them produce sales, having stuff, sorry, having uh, supplies shipped into their country, and then their country is shipping them out to other parts of the world, cut off again, cut off money, cut off a supply chain. That's a big thing. Those are five things we can do we can, or we can work towards. Some of those we can do right this second. But we can do that. We don't have to put a soldier on the ground. We can cut the legs out from under these people just by those things. You know what, John? Uh, ahead, you sorry. know what? Can I, can I go around right yeah, now? Please. I would like to uh, ask John 
um, it will be my honor to be your campaign manager when you run for Senate. You know what? You fuck. You, you really put me in a bad spot. Because I don't know who is Biden talking to, but we need John up there in the Biden administration. Well, it is, it, it, here's the thing. Like, um, I mean, Anderson made it funny, but the truth is, you know, John does not have a political standing right now, but he's made yeah. some of the most sense that I've heard from a lot of these political people and, you know, on on American television right now. And it shocks me that everyday people like John can make just this much sense and our political leaders that we elect make zero to none and throw stones at their political rivals then make proper sense like this gentleman did. But, right but now. why is that ha- but why is that happening? Like I, here, here, I just don't get it. Uh, yeah, John, can you answer that? I mean, since you're giving all the great answers all of a sudden, can you answer that? Like, what is like you oh, make you perfect see, or, sense? Or it's a better question for John: Is do you do you hear the same um, from what you're saying? Like, do you hear your friends saying the same thing you're saying? Do they agree with you, or or do they disagree with what you're saying? Terrific question, Anderson. Both. Okay. I think that I think there's people on both sides that want to send soldiers over there. We just sent another 7,000, I think it was last last Wednesday, over to yeah, Hungary. And honestly, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, – there's a lot of things that I would do before sending soldiers over there. Let me and ask you I, this. I don't, I don't necessarily see us having to do those things when we can do other – we, we have amazing lessons from the past of what we did – with Russia, what we did with China, what we did with Cuba, what we did with other places where we did send soldiers and where we didn't send soldiers and what the repercussions of each of those were. And if we can just learn from history, that is one of the most important things that we can do. John, how are you making absolutely stunning sense without throwing stones to a political party you don't agree with? So you asked me what our involvement was now. So I focused completely on now. You didn't ask me how we got here. Because if you'd asked me how we got here, I would have tried to okay. word things a different way. Okay. Some stones may have been thrown. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, yeah. I, I don't want to get in this have... trap again. So here's uh, the thing. I don't... Either way, I would have told you what I honestly believe. Okay. Right. Well, and let, let... That's, let's hold off on that. That's, that's part B, okay? Can yeah, we do that part as part B? B? Yeah. yeah, sure. Go ahead, Mike. Sure. Give everybody a chance to respond to part A. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Kevin. You got something to say? Go ahead. I'll, I'll go last. Oh, um, I mean, I, I, I'm not really sure how the sides are kind of getting set up. I mean, what's happening right now is Russia – is there was a NATO agreement as far as I understand that was in place and Ukraine wasn't supposed to join NATO uh, under this agreement. And there was a bunch of um, attempts through like the EU to give them sort of, you know, partial status that kind of inflamed all these things. And I, I mean, I don't know if we're not going back uh, if we're going, if part A is what should our involvement be now? I mean, yeah, my involvement, yeah. my yeah, my 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 uh, opinion is always 
uh, last resort and zero involvement. I, I really don't care if Russia owns Ukraine, personally. Oh, wow. Okay. Mike, can you respond to that last statement? Please? <laughs> well, Fuck. Well, 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 Kevin, you, you know, you said it. We do. We have an agreement. We have an alliance with these countries. Okay? It's an yeah. alliance that's been set up to basically defend Europe. I mean, it's old school based on Cold War, but it's it's still an alliance that's in place. Yeah, but you, that, Ukraine's not part of that, and he, they're not no, supposed to be a part of that. That's like no, in the not, agreement they're not allowed to join because they border Russia. Correct. But right. the issue the issue then is where is Putin going to stop? Because Poland and the Baltic countries and several other countries are right next to Ukraine. So right. what's what's well what's going to make him stop there? So Biden didn't send troops to Ukraine. He sent troops to the to the NATO countries to basically say, "Hey man, you're not going any further here." That's the yeah, he has a res- yeah, we all have yeah. a responsibility to protect the NATO countries. That's like the whole reason that it's set up. Like, okay, well, what your last statement there at the end though was like, as far as you know, as far as you're concerned, I don't care. Well, yes, you know that's well, why I think America. Ukraine is not Ukraine is not a NATO country, uh, so like, th- there's a distinction there. Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah but but it's um, it's an issue of how far do we let Putin go? He took, you know, in what was it, 2008, he well, took over Crimea. Two, 2014. Yeah, yeah, 2014. 2014. Okay. There's another. We, there's. Oh, I'm good. We, I'm we basically, Obama basically stood back on that one, and 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 just basically let, let that one happen for the most part. So, um, so the the issue is, you know, how far is this guy going to go? I think that just to respond to that last part of your question, and we've made it very clear that if you go further and invade a NATO country, you know, then that's going to make them. That's going to probably bring a, a European, a completely European war. I would I would guess. Just to be clear, there the the agreement is between the U.S., U.K., Russia, and Ukraine. The Budapest uh, Memorandum was that how you pronounce this that? This is a yeah, yeah. That was in like 1994 after Yugoslavia, where they like kind of amended the NATO agreement, stating specifically that Ukraine would not join NATO. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, that was Ukraine yeah. giving up their nuclear weapons for an agreement between Russia, United States, and the UK that Russia would not invade them after they had given up the armaments. Right. Gave them back to Russia. Yeah, because at the time, Ukraine, when Ukraine split off, Ukraine had the third largest nuclear arsenal in the world. Yeah, The United States had one, Russia had two, and Ukraine was number three, and Ukraine ended up giving their their nukes away in agreement that they they would be protected, but also that Russia wouldn't come and invade them in the future. Um, I'm a I'm going to let, go ahead. Let me respond. Let me respond to part A on John. Okay. Okay, please. Real quick. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, number one, the oil and gas embargo. The thing that's important for us to remember, John, and, and our audience is that if we completely cut off oil and gas from Russia, who's going to be affected the most? It's certainly not going to be the United States. It's going to be Europe. They have created a dependency with Russia. Uh, probably uh, uh, an unhealthy dependence on their energy. And there's even talk now that they're going to have to work on that to make sure they don't get themselves put in this position in any other situation. But I think it's really critical to recognize that it's easier said to say, well, if we totally cut them off, we would really bring them to their knees. And I, I agree with that concept, but I think 
uh, Europe would suffer tremendously if that happened. So that's why they're hedging on their bets. At least that's the way I see it. Number two, diplomats out. Couldn't agree with you more. Number three, the SWIFT uh, banking system. I think they're they're doing that. Uh, hopefully, they continue to to enact further restrictions. But I know they've started it. Number four, a no-fly zone over Ukraine. I don't think that's possible. Uh, but there is uh, the European Union has enacted a, a no-fly zone for Russian planes over all of Europe. They, they just enacted that, as I understand it. So that's going to do part of that, although it's that's aimed more at the financial aspect of the Russian economy than the military aspect. Uh, whether they can, whether they can enact a no-fly zone over another country, I don't know. Or you know, I don't know. That's a, that's a tricky one. And then. Uh, the countries that aren't supporting the sanctions, uh, believe it or not, uh, China postured in the very beginning, basically saying, you know what, mm, we're not siding with Russia, but we think the Americans are the instigators here. Hmm. Uh, but I think two days ago, they actually stopped refusing Russian currency, which was a big deal, uh, and stopped offering money. Uh, to the Russians for loans and that kind of thing. So even though the Chinese are buds with, uh, uh, you know, somewhat buds, they're odd bud fellows, I think, more than anything, the way I would describe it, they have done a couple of things and not shown the support that I think some of the experts are saying they expected China to show. Uh, and then one other thing that I read was interesting uh, they're thinking that China and Putin had made a deal that no attack until the Olympics are over. That makes sense, doesn't it? So anyway, anyway, not disagreeing with anything you're saying, John, just kind of a, another slant on it. But I, I, I like what you have to say. I really do. Mike, I had one question before we moved on, and I wanted to say another thing. But when you said China support, are you you're saying that China didn't support America the way that you... That they thought of uh, Russia, 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 right? And I mean, it does. I think with this, uh, you know, Ukraine thing kind of coming off. I don't know if anybody else saw that China is like flying over Taiwan's no-fly zones as like an act of defiance as well. Uh, yeah, you know, just which would maybe you know show which it might be some sort of show of support of Russia being like you know we're both kind of creating geopolitical headaches right now well and of course people are looking at what's going on in in ukraine as the as the first installment of okay what's america's response going to be if china decides to take over taiwan mm -hmm. so so that's and, kind of kind of the well, same issue there yeah the other thing that i want to say well like i mean i got that you know normally the opposition to russia's involvement in ukraine because there's definitely a long history there i mean i know a couple of people from ukraine who they you know they feel russian and all the other different stuff i don't want to like i mean that's a, obviously anecdotal but um there was a the reason for containing the, the ussr at that point was a strategy of containing communism i mean russia is a capitalist olig oligarchy now so i don't understand where the same uh determination in order to kind of contain them would make sense through nato and uh you know nato kind of went off its mission when it was used to fight in the middle east 
uh, with Iraq and George Bush in 2003. That's just not if they saw it as a worldwide problem. Well, yeah, but that's not a worldwide, you know, committee. It's a, like a North Atlantic issue for, that was devised for a specific issue, and, and they kind of expanded their scope. It was just like a you know a point that was brought up. Well, Canada's um, Canada's in there as well. Canada's also yeah. one of those one of the main countries. And the other thing that China did, I think, just yesterday, there was a UN resolution, and they did not veto it. Russia was the only country that vetoed it. So little things like that don't seem like they mean much, but I think Russia was expecting China to be more supportive. And China's, you know, seems to be walking a tightrope, which is okay. And I'm glad that they're not fully throating support for Russia and their right to to do what they're doing in Ukraine. I, I would disagree with that, Mike. Just on, on two two main issues. Number one is that during the Olympics, when uh, Putin and Xi Jinping met, they announced a new multi-billion dollar deal where China is paying for Russian energy for gas and coal and uh, uh, petroleum. So a lot of that financing that Russia will need for the future is coming from China. Number two, our State Department made a massive, in my opinion, massive blunder because they went to China with intelligence about Russia uh, massing forces on Ukraine and asked China for help in dissuading Russia from uh, having the invasion. And China actually turned around and ended up giving the data that Russia, or sorry, that U.S. had given them to Russia. So they shared that information, that, that intelligence piece, basically everything that we shared with China went to Russia. And they have, I think they absolutely want to help Russia because the more that we are involved with everybody else, the less we can focus on them. And then the easier it would be for them to expand into Southeast Asia, whether it's Taiwan or Indonesia or all of these other com- countries. I think China absolutely has a stake in the game so that they can expand. China is is in very bad shape economically for a couple different reasons. And if they can go out and expand, if they can get Taiwan and take the income that that small country brings in, that's a massive boon to them. Just the same way that it's a massive boon to Russia to take Ukraine because of the natural resources, because of the pipeline, and the other things like that that will, that will increase their uh, wealth. And not only that, but Russia is getting a large amount of boost in income because oil prices are going up because they are invading. So anytime you have that world instability, the, the price of oil goes up and we're at, uh, what are we at? 110 right now. I'm probably it came down. That, but it came down. It came down the last couple of days. It came down a little bit. So it may be at like a hundred then now or something like that. Yeah. So it, it, wherever it happens to be, if it goes up then they get more money for the oil that they're producing and, in those two cases, especially we, if we could separate those two countries, if there was something that we could do to separate the, the mutual benefit between them, I would want to do that in a heartbeat. I don't know that there is, I, I'm not sure that anybody knows yeah, no. of any way to do that. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, you know, I mean, with how our, I'm, We've had two extremely different administrations 
from former President Trump to current President Biden, and even from former President Obama that, yeah, I mean, there's, there's been no consistency in our country to try to work on a stable relationship to try to separate their mutual needing of each other. So I don't, yeah, I just, I don't think so. It's, it, it's, uh, well, the thing is they're not natural allies. No, of course they, not. for a long time, they were not friend, on friendly terms yes. for a lot of different reasons and they're not, but for, they both are seeing a, a mutual benefit right now. Of course. Are and you talking about Ukraine and no, Russia? We're, we're talking about oh, China, and China, Russia. Russia and China. China. Oh, they are not natural. Right. Not natural friends. I get, I got you. So, yeah, I mean, maybe the whole, you know, enemy of your enemy is your friend, but yeah, definitely not. Well, bestie. yeah. And, and the thing is, we, you know, we need to have that link with China. One of them. You know, well, that, that's especially kind of the since link that we have with China, with like the mutual, we have like a mutual destruction pact with Russia, and then we have like a mutual economic pact with China, kind of. Um, some of the things that I've been hearing is why Russia has felt emboldened to do this was our withdrawal and how we looked out of Afghanistan. Was that a fair? You're you're nodding your head, John. Would you like to kind of go on with that? Do you, do you think that's a fair representation of that because of how we withdrew from from Afghanistan that emboldened Russia? Why? I I think that that would embolden any any of our enemies. So right off the bat, think about those press conferences that Biden and Blinken and uh, uh, I can't remember Secretary of Defense's name right now. Um, but remember how we were talking about uh, how many people were left behind and, and things like, what can we do to go back in there and get them? And we, our leaders, and, and uh, uh, I can't remember the general's name. I'm sorry, I'm blanking on all these names. But we kept getting from these press conferences, we don't have the ability to go in there. We can't do this. We're not doing this. We don't do this. We had senators setting up volunteers on both sides, senators and Republican and Democrat, setting up, uh, volunteer people in their offices to take over cases, to gather information because people were emailing them saying, Hey, I'm still stuck over here. We had a Senate report that came out. What was it? Two weeks ago from the Senate foreign relations committee, a part of the Senate foreign relations committee for, if we're pro, uh, precise saying that we didn't leave 150, we didn't leave 200, that we most likely left 9,000 people behind back there. And for us to stand up and say, we can't get these people out, we can't do this, we can't do that, when literally these people were the Afghans, the Afghan and the Taliban army at that point, we're so far beyond them, we couldn't go back in and do anything. What's that the connection? absolutely has to, has to, has to embolden the enemies saying, look, these guys can't even fight the Afghans. How are they ever going to fight us? No one could fight the Afghans. Russians couldn't fight the Afghans. I mean, you know, Afghanistan's, have persevered through many great, you know, like the Russians, us. We absolutely had them in check. We didn't, we were during the, during the Trump administration, we had them in check. We weren't having deaths. We weren't having attacks. The, Tal the Taliban. Yeah. You're talking the about Taliban. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay. not talking about that. We were running. I'm not talking about we were running the country or the guy that was there was a good guy or anything like that. I'm saying they were not attacking our people at least when we made that deal with uh, whatever his face, I can't, I'm, I'm losing my mind on these names. With the, with the Taliban, right? 
Yeah, when we threatened to to glass house the the Taliban leader's hometown. Okay, it's my understanding, uh, or I should ask you your understanding. Trump negotiated the deal with the Taliban to get out by May 1, 2021. Yes? He negotiated no? that deal, and they broke the deal, and that's why he ended up launching that missile strike. Against that one guy? Or against that? No, no, oh. not against not against Suleimani. Oh. That's that's a yeah, different yeah, deal. Yeah. But against oh, the no, Taliban, no, no. right, right. And once because, that deal was broken, no one should have gone back and tried to hold us to that deal again. Okay, the deal, and part of the deal was that um, they were going to free five thousand imprisoned Taliban soldiers. Yes, that's part of the deal. And the Afghanistan government said, "Wait a minute, you can't make that. You can't uh, force us to release these prisoners." And I'm the not United aware States of that part of the deal. I'm not saying you're wrong. Of, I just don't know about. Okay, it. and the United States put pressure on them, so they started releasing 150 Taliban a day over a period of time, and then during that time they were still talking. There was violence. They had, they broke the deal, and that's when that missile strike hit. Okay, so there was violence all through that entire time. But Trump brokered the deal. Trump That's brokered the, the deal. The deal was broken. We went in and attacked the Taliban. The Taliban backed off. That's okay. why I'm saying we had them in check because we didn't have any of our soldiers attacked for 18 months. We That was the longest time that we went without having any deaths. Okay, but but uh, one of the things that kind of uh, that disturbs me about the, the description, uh, I think, I think uh, uh, Sean said it best, on getting out of Afghanistan, um, Biden was dealt a bad hand and he played it poorly. That's the way I look at that. He did. He played it shitty. He, he did a bad job of it. He turned it into another Hanoi. No doubt about it. Okay. But the original deal wasn't his. Okay. The original the timeline, deal was the broken. Was so there was no Trump. deal anymore. Uh, well, yeah. they had a timeline. They had a timeline. And 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 try and Biden extended the timeline to from May to what was it, August? or September, I'm not sure what the date was, but he extended it like four months to give us more time to get more people out. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it doesn't matter as much. I get what we are saying. I mean, it doesn't matter as much like you know, whose fault. It's like if there was weakness shown and that is emboldening Russia and China now in you know this situation, um, you know, whose fault the weakness was doesn't really matter at well, this point. I, I, just I, get, wanted, I get what you guys are saying. I just wanted to, I want to see, okay, so another statement was due to Nancy Pelosi and uh, and Schiff, how do you pronounce his last name? Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff. Um, impeachment of former President Trump that weakened Ukraine, which allowed this to happen. You think that's a fair statement to make? You're talking to me in general to anyone. Uh, it I'm, impeaching I Trump would hurt Ukraine. It, yeah, S uh, it, a, a senator out of Wisconsin. Oh, stated, it didn't allow Trump to concentrate and really end the war and maybe bring the guys home early and not let not the Taliban for, break the not for Afghanistan like for Ukraine. <clears throat> Uh, I, I don't, I don't Senator Ron Johnson blames uh, Pelosi and Adam Schiff uh, for weakening Ukraine with Trump's impeachment. That's Does that make sense? There is, there can be some truth to that. I don't know how extensive that is, but I can tell you 
looking back at that thing, they impeached him over the phone call to Ukraine. In that time, we were talking about sending over arms to Ukraine. We did send some, but we didn't send everything that we actually had promised at that time. So if you want to say that that, that impeachment is the thing that halted the, the arms from going over there, then I can understand that tie going there because we sent one out of four shipments if i'm remembering right and, and this was the uh uh the the charge the was the claim was that um trump had said uh to get our cooperation you need to help us spy on the biden family that was the charge that's that was what, what that was what shift had said yeah that's what the when charge he was, was reading a fake transcript which he lied about Okay, well, that was the that was the initial charge, but then there was also some circumstantial evidence that um, there actually was no uh, the deal didn't go through, and until there was another discussion, and then all of a sudden the deal went through, as I understand it. But uh, you know what? We're we're kind of off topic. I think I don't want to get too crazy with that. So I'm, so. I'm just because these are the mixed signals that I'm hearing from our news media. <laughs> about this situation with Ukraine and I almost called them the Soviet Union and Russia. It's it's been difficult for a lot of the hardcore Republicans um, to be super critical because it's tough to be super critical of Biden without sounding like you're supporting Putin. And uh, we've we've only had a couple of our major leaders come out and say that Putin's a, a great leader and a smart strategist out of the whole thing. Most of them have kind of walked a finer line on that, but there's been lots of blame to go around, including, um, you know, um, if we, uh, if we, if we weren't cut, if we weren't, uh, if we didn't cut all of our oil supplies and gas supplies, we'd be able to take care of them ourselves. I heard that one. Uh, one Senator said, I'm not, I don't give a rat's ass about Ukraine. I care about my own border. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, that's what Kevin said. <laughs> that's yeah. what Kevin said. <laughs> yeah. is, well, is, is that what you said, Kevin? <laughs> well, no, you didn't uh, say kind of. Kind of. <laughs> but so. we know that it is important for us to pay attention to Ukraine, right? We should care about Ukraine and what happens there, right? Or. Yes, I totally agree. It's a humanitarian thing now, especially with Russia going in. I would say it's it. This is very reminiscent of 1930s Germany. That speech that uh, Vladimir Putin put out about uh, the Blas areas, where he's saying, "Well, these people are ethnically Russian, and they speak yeah, Russian, and they do blah blah blah." That's that's almost word for word what Hitler said about the Rhinelands and the Silence when he took those over and basically tried to annex them right before the meeting with uh, Neville Chamberlain. That I mean, you could literally switch a few words around, and this, the premise there was the same. And this guy is talking about not just going back to the Soviet Union, but that that crazy. Um, and I, this is one of the few times that I'll recommend nobody read this, but that crazy five thousand page thing that he put out about how he wants to return Russia to the, uh, to greater than uh, yeah. Peter the Great's standing to, to the old Russian empire. Th- that is insanity. That is, that should be up there with Mein Kampf from Hitler. 
I mean, it, that's, I think somebody, somebody else said this. I don't remember who, who on the panel said this earlier, but he's not going to stop at uh, Ukraine. That's, that's a first step in conquering a lot of other well, places. That's exactly what Mike said. Mike said, yeah, you know, that's the, where, that's the concern. Yeah. Yeah. That's the concern. Cool. That's why we have to show force to our friends, to the countries that are in NATO to say, Hey mm-hmm. man, we're going to be there with you. We're not going to just, Oh, well, we'll let this one go. Mm-hmm. You know, well, can't. Well, I think, I think there's like an issue of like international law and not even just, you know, the NATO treaties that were in place, but I mean, there is, there's the argument that's made that we interfere in other people's elections. I mean, I think even uh, John was alluding to like the 2014 coup that went on in Ukraine specifically. From what I understand, it was like there was a guy, uh, Yanakovich, that that kind of. I don't remember talking about that at all. Um, no, uh, you were going, um, uh, well, what should we do now, you know, based on right now what's happening or how we got here? So I assume that you were kind of alluding to how we got here was the 2014 coup in the country uh, that, you know, it seems to kind of be the conventional wisdom as like really the turning point of where things really started heating up to where we got here. Unless I I, I might have been mistaken. Mm-hmm. I, I, I might have, you know assumed but i either way here's something you are not the, the you know from my standpoint or whatever um you know there's definitely a lot of different um aspects of this thing like you're saying i mean there's like uh the energy pipeline aspect there's this coup uh in 2014 there was this guy yanukovych that was kind of like a 50 50 guy who was just trying to keep the peace and he was like violently overthrown and a new government was installed that was very pro EU in the West and um, was that's when, the, just, that's when the, the current guy got in. He, that's when he, he was an actor, right? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, that guy? That, that happened uh, like three years later, I think. Uh, the, the, there was a violent overthrow in 2014. A pro-West uh, regime was installed. And then the actor essentially was uh, elected after him, who was kind of on the same side, as far as I understand, in terms of leaning more towards the EU and um, NATO rather than Russia, which was not sitting well based on the current uh, international law. Quick question, Kevin. Do you have any Russian ties? Uh, I mean, I like Habib Nurmagomedov. He's not Russian, but okay. Just wanted to make sure. Um, I know I am a secret Russian for okay. sure. Here's okay, so I actually want to play something from. Um, uh, sorry if I butcher your name. Um, Tulsi Gabbard. This is. Yeah. I want to play this real quick. Well, Hold I heard. On. Here it says, hey, for I heard she was an Assad apologist. You are not going to hear on the mainstream media what you do hear is warmongers arguing that we must protect Ukraine because it is a quote-unquote democracy. But they're lying. Ukraine isn't actually a democracy. For example, to hold on to power, Ukraine's president shut down the three TV stations that were openly criticizing him and his policies, imprisoned the head of the opposition political party that had come in second place in their elections, and went and arrested and jailed that party's leaders. This is exactly what Putin has been accused of doing. 
But Ukraine did this all with the support of the United States. Now here's something you are. Uh, the, guy, the guy that got arrested, by the way, mm-hmm. is uh, Putin is his daughter's godfather. Okay, I just have a question. What election was the guy arrested in? Was that the, the 2017 or 2018 election? I'll t- go ahead. Uh, I think it was after that. He was the opposition party. He's pro-Russian. Mm-hmm. And what, yeah, what she said, they had, there were three TV stations that were closed down. He was uh, arrested. He was arrested on corruption charges, is what he was arrested on. But you know, it's it's so yeah. It uh, the, her claim is not so far off from what I understand has happened in Ukraine. So um, it's a it's a uh, the way I look at it, it's a burgeoning democracy. They're struggling, uh, coming from a corrupt state. It's going to take some time, but th- that's that's irrelevant to me in terms of what, like John mentioned just a minute ago, what Putin's end game is, his end game. I mean, he, he talked, one of the earlier demands for getting out of, for, um, for, uh, for not attacking was to push uh, everybody, NATO back to 1994 territorial levels, you know, and which would have expanded, you know, Russia's sphere way further than it currently is the baltic states would be would be gone uh so so that's that's fairly common well i just i don't i mean i'm not saying that russia does have this right but i just don't want to i think what they're trying to bait the u.s into is a on the world stage saying you don't have the right to secure your you know national security the way you see fit but we do when you think about it it's like ukraine borders russia it's you know eight thousand miles away from the united states it, but we're, it's, it's we're not really sober we don't country. Have the, like i mean at, at at one point can the ukrainians say hey dude i don't want to be your guys's pawn i want to be my own thing i mean do they never get that right do those people never have those freedoms? I don't think there really is that option. I mean, even not even between. I mean, that the sounds US crazy. Russia, what you just said. It's either NATO or Russia. You know, but they said they want to join NATO because of all the aggression that Russia's been showing, annexing Crimea. Like, wouldn't you be like, you know, again, the people turned on. You know, the Ukrainian people said we don't want nothing to do with Russia no more. And that happened throughout these years from 2014 to today. I don't think that it was as cut and dry as you're saying, Chris. I mean, I think that there's, you know, there was definitely a a split in the population. I I don't really know exactly how it was, but. Well, the two regions, there are two regions, the two regions that were still pro within Ukraine were still pro Russia. Okay, and right. they've been fighting those fights, but for the most part, Russia Russia came in and said, "Hey, these are still Russia." But one of the things that I learned after doing some research and just listening to what's going on after Crimea, a lot of Russians, or pardon me, a lot of Ukrainians, uh, started to nationalize a lot more. They became and and mm-hmm. uh, I've heard uh, like like um, musicians and authors who used to write and sing in Russian no longer did and started singing in Ukrainian and writing in Ukrainian. So it became a 
one of those things that it kind of brought the country a together. cultural movement to unify yeah. as Ukrainians and speaking as Ukrainian. native Ukrainian instead of Russian. Right. So I think the you know uh, while it while it is a shaky democracy, I totally agree. We we can't sit there and say, hey man, it's this democracy we got to protect. It's shaky. There's no doubt about it. But it appears as if the people want to lean toward the European Union rather than a Russian sphere of influence. That's certainly the way I see it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely that faction mm-hmm. and that's where I, I guess the solution they're saying is, well, then let's split it up then, you know, the side that wants to go there can go there, but these two are recognized countries because the population is the majority the other way. And, you know, that, but I'm just saying, it seems to be, you know, it's just like border disputes that has been going on for hundreds of years in Europe. I don't know why America, it's like in order to like take it away from Russia or you can't have that, there's some way that it's like that the, uh, the U.S. has something to gain where it's like it's its owner from that Sam. You know what I'm saying? Like you're kind of saying that by not allowing, you know, the borders to, you know, go whatever way that they're going to go. Well, we we had that agreement with Ukraine, with Russia and the UK, saying that we wouldn't let it happen. And then you, if you decide that you want to wipe that out because it's an old agreement or because it doesn't apply anymore, then you still look at the you still have to look at the premise of what Putin is is basically planning here. And you can look because he's he's written all this stuff out. You can go and you can watch those two speeches that he gave where he talks about returning Russia to its glory days, where Ukraine is not the first, sorry, not the last stop. And once you realize that, then we have to decide, okay, if it's not the, if it's not the last stop, where do we draw the line? Do we draw the line at Hungary? Do we draw the line at Poland? Do we draw the line at Czechoslovakia? Do we draw the line once he gets to the UK? Aren't they all in, in the past when we had world war one, we had nothing to do with Franz Ferdinand getting shot. But yet that ended up through, obviously through multiple events, we ended up getting involved in World War I. We had nothing to do with Germany invading the Rhinelands or in going into Czechoslovakia. And we stayed out of that for as long as we did. But yet that came to us when we were bombed in Pearl Harbor. Wars don't, I I know the other people have said this and I'm not taking credit for this, but war doesn't start in Lawrence, Kansas. War starts somewhere else and then works its way toward us. And you're if we don't your, stop it there, then we fight it here. And yeah, that's, I believe your, that's a big part of this thing. But again, I don't, I'm not for, Hey, let's throw a million tanks over there. Let's throw our soldiers over there. Let's, let's do everything that we can to stop it where it is now without sacrificing American blood so that we don't have a repeat of all these things. And worst case scenario, we don't have another world war or something like that. Totally agree. Totally agree. Wait, I didn't, I didn't actually understand that. You're saying do what we can short of putting troops in there? Econo- yeah, economic sanctions. Doing, you know, yeah. Right now, our- we do not have to put soldiers over there to stop this. There, There is absolutely still time to stop Russia in its tracks without putting American blood on the ground over there. If the economic sanctions don't work, just for the sake of argument, what's your next Plan. The same same five things I went over at the beginning of this thing. Oh, I'm saying if that doesn't work, there. I mean, yeah, the no fly zone, all these other different things. I mean, what, when push comes to shove, would you put soldiers on to protect Ukraine? Me personally, I wouldn't. 
I would no. just be like, I guess no. Ukraine no, is I part of not. Russia now. I would not, no. Okay. I was just curious. But but again, Russia's apparently stockpiled a, a bunch of money and a bunch of resources um, to protect against sanctions because they've been sanctioned before, from what I'm understanding. But yeah. but um, again, if <laughs> those monies are going to go to prop up an economy that's going to get hit hard, their their stock market went down almost a half the first day, and then settled back up to losing 34% in one day. Are you talking so about that, Ukraine or Russia? No, Russia's stock market. Russia. So that's yeah. a lot of money. A lot, market. Yeah, a lot of money out the door right there. So again, no fly zone. In other words, Russians, where's Russian, where are they going to fly to? Where are the Russian people going to fly to? So what does the airline industry goes right. kaput? I mean, just it, it, it just has to happen in these countries. And, and, Again, it's it's tough to ask European countries to bear a greater share of the burden, although obviously they're a greater threat to them. Right, but, they're in greater know, danger also. Yes, yeah, but but you know Germany, I guess, is very dependent on gas and oil, and you know if 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 things you know and they've already gone further than I thought they would go because Germany in the beginning of this was kind of a holdout and saying, you know, we have fairly decent ties with Russia and we're going to deal with them ourselves. But as soon as the attack came, you know, they really got tough and they actually uh, decided to send arms to Ukraine, which for Germany is a pretty big deal. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing some, I'm seeing some strong support and I got to say, you know, maybe John will disagree with me on this one, but the two, the first thing Biden did when this, when this started to become an issue was to say, we're not going to put troops in Ukraine smart move the second thing he did was he started to get his ducks in a row in europe and and i think spent a lot of time going from country to country to country to country saying hey man the only way we're going to do this is to stick together and we've got to slap this asshole and we got to slap him hard or else it's not going to work and it sounds like there's a pretty strong coalition of people who are willing to or countries that are willing to you know to go along with this and and if and like John says, I totally agree. If if they can do that, then they can stop Russia in its tracks. If they can't, then it's going to be he's going to continue to push the envelope until something serious happens. Does anybody know the percentage of Russians who agree or disagree with what Putin is doing? Well, I know there's a lot of protests going on out there. Yeah, here's the problem: there those protests are being squashed immediately. Thank you, Anderson, for asking that question, because that leads to our second topic. With all the talk we heard about Canadians, Prime Minister Trudeau being a, uh, I've heard some people say dictator or a tyrant. And after what we've seen from uh, Russia's President Putin, do we still feel comfortable feeling that Trudeau is a tyrant? He hasn't uh, he hasn't invaded the United States yet, so I will say no. <laughs> and he allowed those truckers to be blocking commerce for quite a while as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, I mean, John? He should have swiftly uh, acted on that like <laughs> Russia did. <laughs> what do you think, John? I'm very interested. Just just because he's a baby dictator doesn't make him any less of a dictator. Here's the thing. You want a, you want a, a clear and simple description yes, of a dictator? Yes, sir. It's someone who takes the freedom away from their people. 
when you have a when you have a person who is they that's a emergency um what is it emergency emergency powers act sorry when that was in when that was instituted what were they doing they were seizing people's bank accounts basically taking their money they were seizing people's property you can go on there and you can see the auto and mayor talking about how they've under the emergencies act they seize these truckers uh vehicles and basically are planning to sell them so not give them back after the protest they're just stripping them of those things that's their entire livelihood and some of those guys and gals that's where they live is in that truck they were going so far as to literally if they had pets in the truck they were taking the pets and putting them into shelters selling the the drivers that you couldn't get those back all of these kind of things you can't say oh this guy this guy is a good guy this guy is leading the right way his deputy prime minister the day before they announced the the recession of those things said that we are in the process of making some of these permanent so they are not only seizing assets not only seizing bank accounts but seizing property physical property from people and just stripping them of it that is absolutely a dictatorship and the only reason that I can see that he said, oh, the emergency is now over, is because the massive run on the banks, people going and taking their money out, foreign investors going and taking their money out. And, and if you take a look, take a look at the two days after he announced that Emergency Powers Act, and take a look at how many banks had to go offline so that people couldn't pull their money out. So people were physically going down to the bank and taking their money out. And then people were working through intermediaries to take their money out. That's as far as I can tell, that's the only reason they backed off is because they were losing a massive amount of money and they were ready for a market crash in particular because of that. I mean, how do you, how can you not say that's a tyrant? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree with John. This is one of the biggest, uh, you know, moves against civil liberties that I can remember the ability to, freeze your bank account based on political action. Uh, that's, I mean, usually you just go to jail for a little bit and then there's, you know, the legal system. This is, this is, it's cruel and unusual punishment at this point. I'm, and the scary I'm thing woke. is that they have a declaration of rights. They don't have a bill of rights like we do, but the number one thing on the declaration of rights is that the government can, inhibit the rights that are listed after after number one because number one basically says we can inhibit these rights if there's an emergency so they can basically take away all of the rights that those people have based on their desire to have something categorized as an emergency to be fair we also can suspend people's rights uh in the event of an emergency i think we like talked about that there's like you know at least the Japanese internment in 1942. They which, can do it, and they can do it to anybody else. You which know? was I know a disaster and was unconstitutional and was terrible. We, the we had again that goes back to bad judges. That went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court basically just stabbed us all with that decision. I mean, they've done it a couple of times, but that was one of the worst decisions that we've had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'm just I'm just saying, going from like a you know, well, oh well, you know, Canada doesn't, you know, they're able to suspend X Y Z. Like, I just wanted to kind of make it clear, we also can and have, you know, we we're, have, we're kind of, but we're the, in the but same, the same is a debate. 
Right, right. <laughs> we weren't supposed to. <laughs> what were right. you going to say, Mike? It isn't written into our law saying that we can like it is in theirs. Mm. Well, if you do it, it doesn't matter if it's legal or not, right? If you do it and get away with it, it doesn't matter if it's legal or not. It's essentially legal. Mike, um, you are going to say something? I, yeah, I, what I'm going to say is I'm sorry, but I'm woefully ignorant on this subject. Um, I've heard about it, but I haven't done much research on it. So this is, um, uh, there must be two parts to it. The, the trucking part is one part of it. And there must be, John, you, you must be referring to the, the COVID part where if they don't get, what, if they don't get vaccination, the government can come in and do things. So I'm no. sorry, can you, can you explain a little bit better? Because I'm, maybe there are, maybe there's some ignorant audience members out there as well that need to know that. So the, the trucker protest was based on two things. Number one was, was the mandates, which they say should have been lifted by now. But one of the things that really started the war against the mandate was that if you drive a truck and you went across the border, which a lot of them do, they do the, the transcontinental route there. When you came back, you still, even though you had the vaccine, you still had to go and, and wait in their holding center for two weeks after that. That was probably the, the straw that broke the camel's back, if you want to count it that way. There's okay. been, a, obviously, there's been other freedoms that have been taken away from them. But they, yeah. the trucker convoy starts, they go, they, they basically occupy parts of Ottawa. Now, here's the thing. They were not allowed to be in front of the capital in Ottawa. Where, where they were allowed to be was in several different parts that were around Ottawa. And in one, the, probably the big one, was that they went and blockaded the bridge that goes from, uh, I don't remember the province, but the one that comes across into Michigan, mm -hmm. because that's the main transport way between the two. And the protests at that point, uh, my opinion is that Trudeau thought they were getting out of control and then decided to put in the Emergency Powers Act. And that is what they used to... Uh, enable themselves to go and get the banking records from people through their uh, banking system. Cause they, they do have a program that does provide national data to the government. Okay. Of Americans, systems. of Americans or of Canadians? Of anyone who has money in Canadian banking accounts. So if you're an American that has money in a Canadian bank, and I'm just going to make up a name cause I don't know if this is real. But let's say that, let's say I have money in the first bank of Canada then my assets can be freezed if they think that I am supporting the, the freedom convoy and they can okay, basically seize that money and take it away. And I, from what I understand, I don't think they actually need to give the proof. They can freeze the assets and then try to come up with proof after the fact. They, yeah, they can freeze the asset based on suspicion and then however long that takes, or they can just flat out take it away. And, and Mike, um, yeah. So the, the, the truckers did start out, it was like a vaccine mandate, but it is definitely way bigger than that from what I understand. I mean, like 90% of the truckers were vaccinated. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really- It began to grow and grow, yeah. Yeah, it's like, we're, it wasn't that they were against vaccines or whatever the whole situation. From what I understand, that population versus a lot of other populations in the world were highly vaccinated. It was more of, the, you're not allowed to do mandates. I don't really care what- you're mandating. And then also like John was saying, there was a lot of like economic pressures for, from the, you know, having to wait two weeks every time you come over the border, it was more of like a union 
uh, dispute in terms of they were trying to negotiate, uh, you know, some sort of, um, you know, some sort of solution uh, to, because a lot of these truckers, their owner operators, if they have to sit out for two weeks, that's on them, you know, money wise. So uh, it, it turned into a good old like labor economic dispute rather than a vaccine dispute specifically. And let me add one other thing. When, when Trudeau enacted the emergency power act, that still came up for a vote in the parliament, what they have a vote of confidence, which basically means the government could, or sorry, the parliament could have overrided that decision at that time. And they did not, the parliament ended up actually voting something to the effect of 185 to 134 to sustain the emergency powers act. So I don't want to say that Trudeau was the only one responsible because slightly mm-hmm. more than half of the parliament voted for it as well. It, it is a democracy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's not able to enact it by himself. I don't know. I'll tell you what. I, I just want to tell the audience, I truly believe that we could be wrong is more balanced and fair than Fox News, CNN, and any other major outlet. I'll tell you that right now. We are truly balanced and fair here. Okay, and I'm reading an article about, you know, trucker protest strands, beef shipments at the U.S.-Canadian border, and there's a crossing between Montana and, and uh, Canada. So, but that, that was, those were actions by U.S. truckers, correct? And they were they well, were uh, uh, protesting the the uh, the vaccine mandates. I'm assuming. Well, I think from, that one was started on our side. Okay. Well, from what I understand, also there was a plan from the Canadian truckers to go to the Super Bowl, and when there when that kind of got wow. out. Apparently, Joe Biden called Justin Trudeau and was like, shut this down. We don't want this kind of coming over this way. And there is some accusations like that was kind of the pressure that forced his hand to move towards the, um, you know, emergency, you know, the emergency guidelines that he's going through or whatever. Um, But it is because of Biden, because of Biden. There is that accusation that the, because they were like threatening kind of to come down to the Super Bowl, once it once once it was like, oh, this Canadian thing is going to start spreading to America, there were some back channels politically to shut I'll this. I'll tell you uh, what. Which may, w- real quick, which may, you know, explain kind of the overreaction. But also the significance here is that once a, a protest can get effective, you know, they are really creating avenues to really shut it down, which will leave all protests ineffective moving forward. I'll tell you what. No one wants to mess with the Super Bowl here. I mean, any truckers from any country <laughs> want to come mess with the Super Bowl here. That's some serious trouble. That's like Especially in L.A., unspun- right? Well, no, not even in L.A. Like, the Super Bowl is like pretty much like a holiday over here. You don't – that's like Especially messing with our apple pie, you know, that's yeah, like, you don't want to fuck. Around, you don't want to fuck around with Cincinnati Bengals fans. Yeah, right. You know. <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone, ladies and gentlemen. That is our show for the day. Thank you for listening to We Could Be Wrong, but Who Cares? Thank you to our YouTube watchers and Instagram watchers. Thank you guys. You're helping us grow. Good night, everyone, and I'll see you next week. We are out.